Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. The 29th of April 2010 is a famous night for Fulham FC as the Whites booked themselves a European final. In by Davis, beyond Hangerland. It's in! Roy Hodgson and his squad wrote themselves into the history books that night, and so did the man behind the mic. Hamburg will host the final, Fulham will play in it! In this next edition of Fulham Folklore, we look back at that famous Hamburg commentary by Peter Drury and speak to the man himself about it. We'll also celebrate some other iconic FFC commentary moments. Come on, Fulham! Oh, I love Fulham! Oh, I love Fulham! Joining me, Sammy James, today is Drew Heatley. Hello. Hi, Sammy. And Jack Collins. Hello. Hello, listeners. Hello, Sammy. How you doing? Good, thank you. Uh, let's do another Fulham Folklore, shall we? Uh, Drew, the uh, the Rennie Mullenstein one last week went down uh, pretty well. So uh, another chance to dip down memory lane again. Yeah, I really enjoy doing these ones uh, as a, one of the elder statesmen of the Fulhamish uh, crew. It's uh, I've got quite a wealth of experience to draw on, so I'm looking forward to this one today. Yeah, no, should be good. Um, so we thought that obviously we're going to dedicate most of this episode to uh, Peter Drury and that incredible um, Hamburg commentary. But I thought also we could just maybe have five minutes, gents, just celebrating a few iconic Fulham commentary moments um, in general. And, and and in preparation for today's episode, we put a tweet out on Fulhamish over the weekend and we asked for people's favourite iconic commentary moments. And um, it was one of those slightly interaction baity tweets that uh, lots of people do and Fulhamish don't do uh, too often. And it gave people a chance to, to quote tweet it with sometimes not iconic moments, maybe more funny moments of commentary. But either way, I, I very much enjoyed the uh, the replies and, and the quote tweets. And it's incredible how many of them are Gentleman Jim. And, and that made me sound stupid, Jack, because obviously Gentleman Jim's on a lot of them. But actually, down the years, there are some incredible Gentleman Jim and Jamie Reed moments as well. I feel like sometimes Jamie uh, gets a little bit uh, overlooked. Um, and I guess it just symbolises what it's meant to have a fan commentating every single game for Fulham, that maybe naturally it's often going to be Gentleman Jim that, that people turn to uh, when they're asked for, for commentary moments, Jack. Yeah, absolutely. And and this is it. There are, There's something in this kind of world where it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? In that you can, you can think about the most iconic moments in kind of football history. And a lot of those are, in a, in a sense, more neutral, I suppose. You know, you think of Martin Tyler's Aguero moment. You think of Peter Drury's moment about talking about Costas Manalas in yeah. a Roma shirt and then the Greek god rises in Rome, et cetera, et cetera. That those are iconic moments for, for very different reasons. But I think what we've had, especially with Gentleman Jim down the years, is is this kind of it feels like you're standing next to someone at the at the ground, right? It sounds like you could be standing next to anybody. And the beauty, and we talk about this a little bit sometimes, of season tickets is you end up with people that you don't know and you end up becoming friends with them over a, a prolonged period of time, but only within the context of Fulham. And it feels a bit like you're just stood there with someone else who's commenting on it from a kind of fan's point of view next to you. And you could be stood anywhere in the stadium. And this is the kind of rhetoric, I suppose, you would you would get from, from those kind of things and and so i think that's what's magical about it and what's amazing about it and what gives it it is kind of law within the fulham fan base 
there was tons and tons of moments, um, but uh, this one definitely uh, stood out above the rest in the comments. Pierre's on back to Aite, goes round the keeper, walks in! Yeah! 3-1 oh, to Fulham! And it's Floyd Aite again! Absolute magic from Fulham! Come on, Fulham! I just, I love the, I love Fulham, Drew, because actually he just got lost, didn't he? I think at that moment, Jim forgot he was commentating. I think he was just, I think he was just swept up and history doesn't look back at that game as particularly like actually important, but it obviously was at the time. It was, it was a game that catapulted us towards the playoffs that season. And we'd had been, we'd spent a few years in the doldrums and not having moments like that. And I think the emotion just caught up with Jim. Yeah. I mean, two things that happened during that clip was I, I had the exact thought of what you just said. Um, was it really that crucial a game? And then also I re- before I realized it, I had a smile across my face and, and that's really the, the highest compliment you can pay a commentator, isn't it? I mean, I think mm. sometimes we can forget how crucial, uh, commentary is for you know for example you know Craven Cottage can fit 25,000 people in it and you know there are more than 25,000 Fulham fans around the world and for so many of them gentlemen Jim in particular but commentary in general is going to be such a lifeline to them uh, that's going to paint the picture of the game that they're watching so uh, yeah really important and uh, it had me smiling. And um, there's so many um, Jim clips mentioned it, it made me feel like we should look at doing some sort of gentleman Jim episode um we did obviously get Jim on uh, a long time ago actually probably three or four years ago now but really it was just to talk about the game and I feel like there's enough just Jim to celebrate actually looking through all of these um amazing comments so I feel like that's maybe a, a future episode is to just kind of dive through the archives of, of gentleman Jim madness. And um, there's a particular, the most quote tweeted on the uh, tweet we did was uh, Nicholas Carey put up the video of uh, gentleman Jim at uh, Cardiff away just last season, actually the championship season. And uh, it's the fourth minute of added time. And even Cavalero um, gets elbowed by the defender, uh, which particularly enrages uh, a Cardiff, I think a Cardiff fan, a Cardiff commentator can't tell, but he starts um, having a go at Jim and Jay because <laughs> he thinks the referee hasn't seen it and um jim and jamie stopped commentating basically and just goading this man behind them and um i I'd, i remember watching that live and we all talked about it but forgot about it so quickly you forget about these things that feel like iconic at the time um it's it's really good i'll put a link to that in the uh, in the description if you want to watch um a couple of non Gentleman Jim ones that were mentioned. Obviously, a lot of Peter Drury suggestions in our tweet as well. First of all, really stepping back in time. I love this one. Um, Jimmy B said, Brian Moore for John Mitchell's goal against Birmingham in the FA Cup semi-final in 1975. So this was the winner in the replay uh, to send Fulham uh, to the FA Cup final, famously. Uh, a bit of a scrappy goal for, from John Mitchell, but a great commentary. Only seconds left now, and it looks like another replay, but here's Slough for Fulham. Crossed in and a long one too. Dow is there with a head. Mitchell going in. Off Blackford, and off Mitchell again and into the goal. Mitchell has done it again. It's great. It's really I love great. that old school Brian Moore. He, he feels like the olden days, Jack, whenever you hear Brian Moore kind of commentating on football. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's great. And there's something about that voice which evokes 
you know, memories of, of really boggy pitches and everything being a bit of a mess. And obviously, Brian Moore was was a legend. And when you, you think back about it and the amount of goals he must have soundtracked, obviously that's before my time. But actually, it, it's just a nice reminder of of where we've come from. And and, and also, you know, the, these big moments that have kind of categorised Fulham down the, the seasons and down the years. And I'm sure that every other club would say the same, but there is a nice kind of historic nostalgia associated with that, I think. Yeah. Um, Drew, Jack, before we get into Drury, any favourite commentary moments that you'd like to uh, to bring to the table today, Drew, first of all? So my favourite one is um, the commentary clip that you probably wouldn't heard of before unless you were listening uh, abroad or watching abroad or like me, you've been on YouTube many times to relive the moment. Um, and it's uh, it's the finale of the Great Escape season, Fratton Park, um, and it's the Premier League world feed. So it's Efren Okoku and Kevin Keatings on the, on commentary. Uh, you'll have heard Keatings many, many times uh, on different games. Um, and in, on this occasion, he's doing the, the world feed for the Premier League. Um, but there's there's a couple of moments that you'll hear in a minute. Um, the main one being uh, the full time whistle. You know, just put, painting the picture, the soundtrack of of uh, what's going on, um, and then the goal. Obviously, uh, Reading up four up against Derby, um, and it's looking pretty bleak for us. And then uh, and then obviously Danny Murphy heads in. So uh, really sort of iconic lines for me. Somebody who's watched this video many many times, probably a dozen times in the last uh, twelve years. In terms of the Houdini Axe, it's right up there amongst them. Murphy's law decrees that Fulham will play Premier League football again next season. It's a great line, Dan. It is. That's an absolutely really perfect line. Yeah, it's another one that you forget, right? It's a, it's a brilliant line. I think we can remember the, the there's a moment when the actual goal goes in, which is which is lovely as well. But that at the end is is a real kind of turn up for the burst. Well done. Great stuff. Well, what's what's really funny about it is it's a great line, but Murphy's law is anything that can go wrong will go wrong. So actually, it makes absolutely no sense. But you know, <laughs> Danny Murphy scored the goal, and uh, you know the line in itself is excellent. But you know, if you dig a little bit deeper into it, it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But I still love it. <laughs> uh, Jack, anything you'd like to to bring forward? Yeah, I've got one as well. And I think that this one's quite special for me. And I suppose it will be to a lot of Fulham fans. And, you know, some of these things and some of these lines, you kind of look at in retrospect, right? You you, you were at the game and then you look back and the commentary kind of comes afterwards. And I think a lot of us, that will be the case for, for Peter Drury's stuff with the Hamburg game, for example. You know, we were, we were there. So actually hearing it back is part of the, the, the kind of mystique around it. But this one I like because everybody was watching it at the same time and it comes from the playoff final against Brentford and I think that idea of we all were watching together and therefore the commentary having something kind of very special about it in that regard stands out for me so there's two bits to it one's from Joe Bryan's second goal and the second is from the final whistle it's Gary Weaver on commentary as per here in the AFL but I thought he did a really really good job uh, of this game, especially considering there were no fans. It was Wembley. It's all quite weird as an atmosphere. Um, but yeah, this is this is what I've got from Gary Weaver, Joe Bryan and Wembley. Bryan again on the charge. It's Joe Bryan again! Ah! It's incredible! The fullback is moonlighting as a striker! Wembley is his! Fulham have been down this road before and they are feeling right at home, a world football stately home. 
Yeah. yeah. Iconic. I okay. love the moon, uh, Joe Bryan moonlighting as a striker. It's just, I think Gary Weaver's hugely underrated, hugely underrated Agreed. as a commentator. Yeah, I think he's excellent. Does a really, really good job consistently, I think, in the EFL and goes under the radar, I'd say, for most people. But yeah, he does a, a very, very good job. Yeah. Uh, right. Let's get to the, the subject of today's podcast, which uh, is Peter Drury's Hamburg commentary. Uh, in a moment, we'll we'll hear from Peter himself, uh, a full uncut interview uh, with Peter. Uh, but first of all, uh, we'll do a, a snippet of the full thing. We'll put a link to the full commentary if you've uh, forgotten it or you've somehow never heard it before uh, in the description of the podcast. Uh, but this this gives you uh, a flavour. achievement for Roy Hodgson what an extraordinary achievement for Fulham a level of success that this lovable once quaint club could never previously have dreamed of Hamburg's collective dream is shattered their party is crashed their stellar striker cannot credit it whilst Fulham in a blur of self-congratulation parade in front of 25,000 West Londoners many of whom thought they would never live to see the day I mean it's still goosebumps every time Drew and and it's one of those on this day memories that that comes around every single year and every single year like a moth to a light I tend to watch it yeah, I, I I just find it so uh, incredible how talented you have to be to be able to do it because it's not easy, right? So obviously, you know that that full time whistle's coming into view, and somebody like Peter Drury's probably got these lines, these nuggets lined up in his head like second nature to him now because he's such a pro. But you know, it, it's it's quite it's good, quite difficult to do that. I did. Um, do you remember we did we tried some hot mic commentary during the pandemic? I uh, think it was Cardiff, uh, Cardiff and Fulham in the semi final playoffs, and I did a hot mic commentary live watch along thing with Jams, and it was bloody difficult. It was so hard, and I can remember bastardizing a jury line at full time uh, 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 after that game. I think. Uh, I can't even remember the result, but I tried. I tried to bastardize that line, and I can't remember what I said. But the point being is that it's so so difficult to do any sort of commentary and to be that talented to provide the soundtrack to people's, uh, you know, moments that matter the most when it comes to their club. I just I'm I'm in awe most of the time. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jack, it's interesting that, that Drury has been uh, appointed uh, as Sky Sports' lead commentator next season, taking over from Martin Tyler. I guess I'm just surprised because it was a move that I just didn't expect Sky to do, even though people have been calling it for, for years for, for this to happen. So I feel like UK audiences are going to get a real flavour of Peter Drury, even though weirdly we all kind of know about Peter Drury, despite him actually not commentating on English feeds all that much. Yeah, he's got a, a, a massive reputation. I, I suppose that it's a bit of a cursed job in some ways. And look, Martin Tyler's done a wonderful job for many years. I think probably the time was right for, for him to move on. But it got to a point where, you know, he couldn't do right for wrong. 
And, you know, some people want flowery, poetic commentary. I love that. And I love this jury style. Some people don't. Some people want the commentator to tell them what's happening and get out of the way. And it's a really hard balance to strike. So it's one of those strange ones where I think that there are going to be some people who find jury overbearing in this next season. And they're going to they're going to struggle with the kind of floweriness of, of some of the things he says. But equally, there are going to be plenty of people who are absolutely delighted. So what's going to happen is the the Twitter argument, if you will, is about to flip on its head, where all the people who are really fed up with it being a little bit kind of clean cut and out of the way are going to be delighted that the jury's commentating. And loads of people who quite enjoyed it quietly in the background and weren't part of the discourse are suddenly going to come out of the woodwork and be like, this is too much. So I think it's an incredibly hard job, as as Drew says. I think there's there's so much skill involved in being able to do this. And, you know, it's a shame we can maybe do a whole nother one of these at some point for radio commentary, because that's a different skill unto itself, being able to kind of describe the action as much as as, as you are kind of talking around it. So there's loads to, to kind of think about, but these are the iconic moments. And I think that especially in big moments like that, having a spoken soundtrack that backlogs it, if you will, is something that we all find incredibly important and and i think that that monologue at the end and i think the line that always jumps at me is twenty thousand west london's in a, in a blur of self-congratulation which i think is just absolutely perfect for for kind of everything the kind of disbelief of it is wrapped up so nicely in what he says that it, it, it completely and utterly makes the clip and that's what the best commentary does and and for me i think he's the best in the business yeah all right well we're going to take a break afterwards uh, you'll hear from peter drury chatting to me all about that famous night peter thank you for being on fulhamish it's lovely to be on fulhamish it's a, a lovely reminder of that fabulous night talk to me peter about how the feeling was in the commentary box before that game took place. It was an incredible run to get to the semi-finals. I think a lot of Fulham fans were just kind of happy to be there. But when that game came around, there was a bit of an expectation amongst the fans of like, we've got to do this tonight. We're in this and let's go one step further. There was a bit more of an expectation, I felt, than in other games. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it, the way the dynamic changes because Fulham had created an expectation and although for a, for a club like Fulham, this was already a, a sort of fantasy, that sort of thing shouldn't happen to Fulham after all. And I, I'm sure the fans would understand the spirit in which I say that. Um, nevertheless, that team had beaten Juventus, had been to the Olympic Stadium Rome, had taken on the then reigning champions, I think, Shakhtar Donetsk, um, and had had a really tough run. And though Hamburg, of course, is a famous club in its own right, it wasn't quite as sexy a name as Juventus, really. And so I guess probably wrongly, there might have been a sense that if we can beat Juventus, come on, we can certainly do Hamburg here. Um, it wasn't until this anniversary was brought to my attention the other day, actually, that I looked I looked at my notes for that game. I'd forgotten that Van Nistelrooy was their centre forward, for heaven's sake. Um, and, uh, you know, they were, they were a very, very credible side. 
which of course makes the result that night all the more remarkable. Well, yeah, and it didn't get off to a great start for Fulham. We went one nil down through Petrich's goal, by the way, through Petrich's free goal. kick, an incredible goal, and then an amazing reaction. I remember from the Craven Cottage crowd. It was no negativity. It was it was almost a stand to applause of "Come on, lads, we can get past this." Absolutely, and and those those sorts of crowd reactions have to be entirely spontaneous. Nobody nobody kind of preconceived that, premeditated that. And it's on nights like that that you sort of feel that very, very rare, that scarce, that really precious sense of meant to be. Uh, and and I do recall that. At one nil down, there was no shrugging of the sort of collective shoulders. There was this there was this upsurge of even magnified um, determination that the miracle should occur. Uh, a kind of refusal to almost acknowledge going 1-0 down. It, it's as if Fulham fans brushed it under the carpet and said, no, that hasn't happened. We're, you know, this is still our night. Um, and, and without question, I, I won't have been to Craven Cottage as many times as you have, or um, indeed many of the people who listen to this, but I've been many, many times, and I've never known a Fulham crowd like it was that night. It was absolutely uh, phenomenal. Well, it was still a long time, though, it took for Fulham to get back into the game, and uh, Simon Davies scored the goal, another brilliant goal that night. And your words on commentary were just, it's on, it's on. And it's that beautiful emotion of football, of how from one second you can think, I don't know how we're going to get back into this, and something can happen and you think, Oh my word! This whole event has has changed on a sixpence. Yeah, I, I think. Um, I mean, I, obviously, I can't remember every moment of what I thought at the time, but I suspect that those, you know, very simple words. Let's face it; it's not a particularly brilliant line. Are, are just um, a reaction to the fact that having had this surge of optimism all the way through the evening, we were just about reaching that the sort of now or never point, weren't we? If, if Fulham were going to do this, they were going to have to score pretty damn soon. And um, so when they did, um, you know, it's on. Suddenly you, you were just daring, or not daring is the wrong word, we, you were just threatening to believe, you know what, maybe this isn't going to happen after all. Um, and they score, and it's on. It is on. And, and with that wave of support, you know, you, you felt instinctively that having got one, Boy, there was a very good chance of getting another one, and it and it came soon afterwards, and and that's where the line, there's a tidal wave on the Thames was born, and and there were many classic lines that night, Peter and Fulham fans have watched the highlights of that game, oodles of times, but just just describe your emotions when that goal went in, because I I barely can remember it just through pure pure ecstasy of being in the Hammersmith end. Yeah, well, I, I wish I'd been in the Hammersmith end, um, although I'd have been a fraud because, unlike you, I'm not a proper Fulham fan. I'm not a Fulham fan. It, it was just my job to uh, articulate the moment, I suppose. And um, that's just how it felt. Those, those are just the words that, that sort of came to my lips. It, 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 was, um, it was a really beautiful moment of togetherness. Um, and, and as I say, particularly... Uh, at a club the size of Fulham, whilst it can often be a very happy, contented, united club, that sense of overwhelming purpose and togetherness uh, in a really big-time way 
was precious, perhaps you might say unique for Fulham. Uh, and um, the, 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 I mean, Hammersmith End was absolutely, well, the whole ground was bouncing. It, it, it was, I've said this to other people about that night. What was special was, and, and I, you know, I, I really don't want people to think this is patronising because like everybody else in football, you know, Fulham's one of my favourite second clubs, as it were. You know, everybody loves Fulham. Yeah. And it was, be- it was because it was Fulham that it was special, you know, um, because it, it wasn't, no disrespect to them, it wasn't Manchester United or Liverpool or Chelsea or Arsenal or any of these ones that are permanently doing extraordinary things in Europe. This was so fantastically fresh and different. And so the crowd reaction was, was almost innocent. You know, it was... It was um, a first, you know, there's nothing like the first time. And for Fulham fans, this was the first time. Uh, and it was just so almost childlike, uh, that reaction, that, that thrill of a child on Christmas morning, you know. Um, the, it, it, was, it was undilutedly happy, just, just a brilliantly happy time. And I think there's a sense of, and I was talking a bit uh, in the last podcast that we did about this, Peter, um, we were talking to Philip O'Claire and trying to think of a club for whom if they had this experience, it would be exactly the same. And I think the only one that came to mind was something like Sheffield United or maybe Norwich. There aren't many clubs now in the Premier League, given the money and the vastness of it, who could really have an experience like this again, where they would be overwhelming underdogs to ever pull off something like this. Well, no, that's right. Not least because, of course, the Premier League's become so powerful. So even some of its bottom-end clubs you know, which Fulham have been in recent years, even they are actually not always underdogs when they come up against some big hitters from, um, you know, other leagues. But you're absolutely right. I mean, even in, in the history of the last generation, there's nothing quite to set alongside what Fulham did. I mean, you mentioned Norwich, good, a very good example. Of course, they had their famous game against Bayern Munich a, a little while ago, but it wasn't um, as advanced in the competition, obviously, as the second leg of a semi-final. And Ipswich, I remember having a game in the San Siro after they had a very good Premier League year and, uh, and reached the UEFA Cup. But this, this was the semi, you know, this was for a place in the final. Um, and there won't be anything quite the parallel of that. I suppose the only thing that's happened since that personally I've been involved in at all from a broadcasting point of view was Leicester in the Champions League. Um, you know, they, they had a sort of wide-eyed, almost childlike approach to their sudden involvement in that competition. But again, they didn't reach the semi-final. No, they did get very close, though. Um, Peter, I, I want to quickly get your thoughts on Roy Hodgson, because he is a man that I imagine over the years you will have met many times, both at Fulham, West Brom, Liverpool, Palace. But this really was his finest hour, wasn't it? It was the moment where everyone stood up and realised, wow, Roy Hodgson knows how to how to build a football team. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, and anybody who has come across him um, knows that, you know, whatever your perception of him, whether you think of him as the, the bloke who oversaw England losing to Iceland or you think of him as the bloke who managed Fulham to a major European final, anybody knows that, A, he is a very good football brain. He just is. And, B, he is an extremely pleasant bloke. You know, he's a proper bloke, really good company, um, and has time for everyone, and the sort of bloke that you cannot help but wish well for. 
and actually that that helps as well on a night like that. You sort of think, oh, wouldn't this be great for Roy? who was, I mean, he's still going now, 10 years on, but even then you were thinking, well, he must be somewhere near the end now. What a, what a lovely thing this would be to crown his career. Um, and, and so, yeah, fantastic. And, I, you know, I have memories of him on that run, actually. I, I was in Sofia right back at the start of it all when um, I think Chris Smalling made his debut in that game or something like. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I just remember him being very pleasant and urbane and so on on the touchline as, as he was. And, and this was about as low-key a European tie as it's possible to imagine, uh, right back at the start of the competition. I remember being in the Olympic Stadium, Rome, when I think, didn't you have a couple of players sent off? Yes, yes, yes. And Yeah, and, uh, and, and I've never seen Roy Hodgson so angry as he was when he sort of approached us to do the post-match interview that night. He was seething. Um, and funnily enough, I do remember... Um, I did the away leg in Turin, the Juventus first leg. Uh, so I wasn't a very good, happy mascot for you then. But um, <laughs> he, uh, the night before the game, believe it or not, my co-commentator for that game was one Gareth Southgate. Oh, wow. And, um, yeah, and, and as it happens, we sat very respectably, by the way, don't get the wrong idea, but we, we happened to be in the same hotel as the players. And on the eve of the game, I remember sitting and thinking, well, I've died and gone to heaven here. I sat around the table in the um, hotel sort of bar restaurant, uh, drinking a glass of red wine with Gareth Southgate, Roy Hodgson, and Ray Lewington, <laughs> and just and, and really, I didn't say anything. I, I I just listened to them chewing the fat and thinking, "Cool, I'm a lucky boy to be keeping this company." Um, and you know, you, you couldn't help but um, wish Roy well. And it was a and you know, to look at his face, there he was, whatever age he was. When the final whistle went, I mean, really commentated, didn't have to say anything. We just didn't need a close-up of Roy Hodgson's face, and it sort of told the whole story. But you did say something following the match, and, and it's a stand of the commentary that actually sometimes when looking back at this match, it's that final whistle commentary that Fulham fans want to listen to. Uh, you, between yourself and Jim, it was a, a three-four-minute almost eulogy on Fulham and the rise and, of Fulham and, and where it had come from. And what inspired you to, to say those, those words? Because... It really has gone down in, in Fulham folklore, and I'm sure your commentary has gone down in other clubs' folklore as well, but you really do have a place in Fulham fans' hearts because of what you said that evening. Well, I'll tell you where it comes from. Being absolutely sincere, one is a genuine fondness for Fulham. I, I think, you know, maybe you have rivals as a club who, who wouldn't think this way, but it's, it's hard not to like Fulham. It's, it's uh, also hard not to love working there because it's such a charming place to watch football. I mean, just, just beautiful. But it also comes to the fact that, that uh, way back at the start of my sports reporting career, I worked for a, a well-known agency in London called Haters um, in the late 80s, early 90s. And I did used to work on fourth division games at Craven Cottage as a new cub reporter um, uh, when there were two or 3,000 rattling around when there was week-by-week week talk of bankruptcy going to the wall, Fulham ceasing to exist, when Ray Lewington was the manager in those times, and, you know, what a good bloke he was. He had a, a nigh-on impossible job. And I remember him sort of coming into the little broom cupboard underneath the, the main stand, which they used to call laughingly the press room, and, um, and just talking to whatever it was, two or three of us who were reporters, 
about you know how difficult it was and how you just lost two nil at home to Bristol Rovers or Notts County or somebody. Um, and I, I couldn't help reflecting that there, there we were just a couple of decades on uh, and this was happening to Fulham. And, um, you know, back in those fourth division days, used to sit in the old press box, which is actually still unchanged at Craven Cottage, God bless it. And um, there was, you know, you could hear the individual shouts of the crowd. There was a man who always used to sit there and it was the same every week. Um, Oi, Lino, Lino, is that your air, Lino? <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and, and here it was 20 years later and this extraordinary uh, occurrence had, had come to pass. Um, and, and it was lovely because it didn't really need much thought or preparation that period of time because it, it sort of was from the heart. You know, it was a, it was a, I, I said all this when we were talking really about the scoring of the winning goal, but it was, it was just, um, it was a genuinely beautiful sporting occasion. And, you know, unless you happen to be one of the tiny minority of Hamburg supporters or someone out there who has some something against Fulham, and I suppose in the world of professional football, those people must exist. But beyond that tiny minority, um, it, it was hard not to be carried away by it. And actually, I mean, looking at those three or four bits, um, when, when I reflect on it, I think, thank goodness we had those three or four minutes. Because believe me, in the world of commercial television, time like that is is quite precious and i forget who was editing or producing our show that night but he or she deserves a lot of credit because the temptation to get to a commercial break at that time is huge <laughs> and the the fact that we were given time to allow that moment to breathe um was was a rare luxury actually a rare luxury and I suppose, again, only reflects what a special moment it was. What is the line whenever you meet a Fulham fan that they want to know? Is it the tidal wave on the Thames or is it Hamburg will host the final, Fulham will play in it? Yeah, I think, I think probably that one. Well, certainly, I mean, I'll be frank with you. Before I, I did get a call from the club the other day about this, um, before that call, I wouldn't have been aware of this anniversary. And, and um, I'd hate anybody to think that I'm so arrogant as to remember anything I've ever said, because most of it's immaterial. Um, so I, I went and looked the game up myself because I thought, gosh, I, I'd better remember what I said. And, and um, the, the Hamburg will host the final, Fulham will play in it, uh, was the line that came back to me quickest uh, as a sort of memory of that night. And yeah, other people have in truth um, mentioned that to me. And I'm, if there's a reason to be happy about that line, it's because like many of the great commentary lines from the greats down the years, it's actually beautifully simple. Um, and, you know, it's not one that you had to premeditate or anything like that. I would have had a note at the bottom of Well, I looked back at my notes the other day and I just did have a note at the bottom of my page. Um, I, I just had written down to make sure that I didn't miss any of the key points what I had to remember, not, not a script for words, but what I had to remember, the key points, um, if Hamburg went through, so what I had to remember about Fulham's run and how well they'd done and blah, 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 and what it would mean to Hamburg, of course, to play the final at home, and what I had to remember if Fulham went through. And what, one of the, the sort of NBs I put there with an asterisk next to it was, don't forget, Hamburg will host the final. 
and uh, and so I, I more or less was sort of scouting through my pages for personal things to say as that final whistle went. And I, uh, seeing that, I said, Hamburg will host the final. And then the next line just sort of followed off it, really. And Fulham will play in it. It was one of those, those lucky ones which, which just kind of worked in the moment. Well, Peter, um, it has been 20 minutes of pure lovely nostalgia uh, for me to, to talk to you about that that famous night and um, thank you so much for for being on Fulhamish and talking it through with me it's been lovely for me too believe you me nights like that don't come around very often it's the Fulhamish podcast Sammy here with Drew and Jack uh, lovely to hear the full thing from, from Peter Drury so so that interview was used uh, in part, little snippets in our uh, Hamburg documentary that we made uh, about three or four years ago now. We made it during um, the pandemic. And and so little snippets of that interview might have been heard, but the full thing we've never published um, until now. So I hope you enjoyed it. Peter is just such a lovely man. Uh, I mean, he genuinely seemed chuffed to be talking about that evening. Um, I, I think he's also just very polite, but also, um, yeah, just, just wonderful, uh, to, to hear him kind of talk about what that moment meant to him and how some of those lines, uh, came about. So, um, yeah, fantastic. And, uh, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Fulham Folklore, uh, where we dive back in time to famous Fulham moments, seasons, uh, managers, just iconic Fulham events down the years Uh, and thank you to my guest today drew heatley sammy will host the podcast drew will be on it another (laughs) bastardization of the of the line just to sign off (laughs) we should edit that and put that at the beginning of the podcast just to get people's um appetites wettened um yeah uh jack collins thank you very much no thank you i'm not gonna even try and compete with that yeah i was gonna say it's a dangerous game to one up there yeah no no too too early too early yeah the doors to the podcast kingdom open once again for sammy james (laughs) hey uh the Fulhamish Transfer Show will return on Monday looking at all the latest rumours. Have a lovely weekend, whatever you're doing, and come on, you whites. You whites.